At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast, episode 247. I'm Mike De Niro, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, my boy, the real TK from the Wrestling Index. I'm joined by my man, Tim King. What's good, man? Yo, De Niro. What is the Sango? Longtime listener, first-time caller. Thanks for fucking having me on, bro. Fire-ass intro. I'm excited to talk some wrestling with you, brother. Most definitely, man. It's definitely an honor to have you on. You you are one of my favorite podcasters for a while. And, you know, we had great chemistry, I feel like, on the Circle Debate a couple uh, 
was it like a week ago? Yeah, last around like Thursday, a week ago. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely want to have you on here for sure. But before we talk wrestling, I got to give a big shout out to my sponsors at threefallsbrand.com. Best rock and wrestling merchandise on the planet, including Wrestling DeLorean merchandise. So if you want to support, cop some Wrestling DeLorean podcast merchandise on threefallsbrand.com. Let me show you what they do over at Three Falls. Three Falls Brand is a DOI merch company that provides original artwork on shirts, hats, stickers, and pins. Three Falls, WrestlePunk merch for the masses. Check us out at threefallsbrand.com and on Instagram at threefallsbrand. Also, thanks to all my Wrestling DeLorean passengers, I have another month of a Manscaped promo code. So make sure you take care of your male needs and go to manscaped.com. And when you do, put in the promo code DeLorean in all caps for 20% off site-wide. It could be the cheapest thing on the fucking site. It could be the most expensive thing. You're getting 20% off, so why not put in DeLorean? You know what I mean? But already in the chats, we got Justin Time 211. What's up, fellas? How you doing, man? Thanks for joining. What up, Justin? Yeah, what up, baby? You know, like, I had a whole, like, rundown of shit I want to talk to you about, but news broke this morning that we're going to be getting a War Games at Survivor Series. Not just one, but two. A male and a female War Games matchup at Survivor Series. And I really want to know what's your thoughts on this because I am so excited for this. Survivor Series is the perfect show for War Games. And this is a long time coming, in my opinion. But what do you think about this? Bro, I'm, I am so excited. It is, just like you said, it's the absolute perfect time for it. But Triple H taking over... We've wanted change. We've gotten so much positive change. For me, one of the things I was talking about very early on was hoping that Survivor Series would change. I'm an old school wrestling guy. I like the old four on four, five on five classic matches, even if there's not much feud behind it. Like I always reference that Shawn Michaels, Triple H, CM Punk, Hardy's match where they swept Umaga and Kennedy and those guys, Johnny Morrison, five, nothing. Like that was just cool. Like having matches like that, that's fun. This year, we actually have a, a couple more factions in WWE than we've than sure. we've had in the past. And what better time to have those faction warfares than put them in a war games when you can have a damage exactly. control team up with a returning Charlotte and all that star power. And on the other side, you got an Asuka potentially, a Bianca Belair. What if Sasha and Naomi return for this thing? I don't think Becky will be ready yet, but what if you could run a Bianca Becky, Sasha, Naomi against Damage Control and Charlotte. For the men, you got the bloodline, whether that's with Roman or without Roman, preferably with Roman. You can even run a five. You can even go 10 man if you want to go, you know, include Sammy in that, which is crazy as that sounds. And then on the (laughs) flip side, you got guys, they have so many enemies, but the the brawling brutes are number one contenders now. Mm -hmm. So you can put them in the mix. They've always got, you know, now they could have Drew's back. You have like that backstory. But Drew yeah. and Sheamus, a lot of potential, bro. Sorry to ramble, but I'm very oh, fucking no. excited, brother. <laughs> nah, I, I was going to let you keep going because you were taking the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely excited, too. And something that I feel like they need to go away from is the whole brand supremacy shit, the Raw versus SmackDown shit. And I'm glad that they're going to be doing it this year. Um, Triple H said that it's going to be more storyline driven and less of the, you know, Raw versus SmackDown which never really made much sense to me in the, like to begin with. If you think about it, every year the draft was like right before Survivor Series. Yeah. So why would you have pride for your fucking brand if you just got there? Like, I never really got that. But I'm so glad to, you know, 
have war games on the WWE main roster. So many possibilities of what you could do. It's just insane. Like Triple H is just checking off the list of how to make WWE better. And right now, very few misses. But something that has a lot of controversy behind it, a lot of people are talking right now, is the announced match, the main event of Crown Jewel, Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns. I'm very curious to think, well, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, it, for me, I just got to see how this goes. You know what I mean? I, I don't necessarily agree with somebody who had two matches in his wrestling career, let alone in WWE, getting a world heavyweight title shot. But I know a lot of people are more of like the business mindset saying, oh, well, it's a draw. It's going to get people talking. And I'm just curious to like see what you think about this because it's, it's very controversial, I think. Oh, it's, it's incredibly controversial. And, and to be honest, my initial thought is, who the fuck wants to see Logan Paul back in a WWE ring, let alone against Roman Reigns? Now, yeah. on, the, on the flip side, I, can, I, I like to see things down the middle. I call them down the middle. I get the business aspect of it. You're going to Saudi. You're, it's crown jewel. No one gives a fuck. All right, let's be honest. It's at 2, it's at 2 p.m., on a fucking Wednesday afternoon, who gives Most a fuck? At it's, work. <laughs> it's not for us. It's not for us. It's for the people over there. And you can call whatever the money, however the money you want. I'm not going to get into the politics. It is what it is. All right. But you're mm-hmm. going to put on a show for those people. And the, most of the people in those crowd, I'm sure, are great people who love professional wrestling. So if it's Logan Paul you're giving them, I guess it's fucking Logan Paul you're giving them. I'd rather it be an AJ Styles or a Kevin Owens again, Preach. something bigger like that, or a Sheamus. But at yeah. the end of the day, you want Roman there. You want Roman to get a win over someone who's not going to look bad. The kid works his ass off. He's entertaining. I don't find him entertaining. I get how yeah. others find him entertaining, though. He's a hard, hard-working dude. The shit he did in the ring in his limited matches was very good. Do I think he should be getting a yeah. world title shot? Fuck no. But there's also one thing that happened in Sunday that we'll never acknowledge. Shawn Michaels came out of retirement. We didn't talk about that. <laughs> Shawn Michaels' last match right. was at WrestleMania against The Undertaker. He ain't wrestling. The real fans. So, you know, it is, it, yeah. it is what it is. Would I prefer against someone better? Sure. Absolutely. But who fucking, who cares, dude? It, it, gets, yeah. it gets people talking. He's going to get internet clicks for them. So it is what it is. I just like look at this as WWE trying to capitalize on some cloud and try to just have a viral moment. But I mean, like you said, it is what it is. I know a lot of people are willing to see how it plays out. It is going to be playing out on TV, unfortunately. Um, I'm not the biggest Logan Paul fan, man. I, I was very skeptical about him even coming into the WWE to begin with. But I mean, yeah, he, he's talented. He, he's athletic. That's for sure. He's definitely athletic. But even in his last match where people are praising his match with The Miz, there was a lot of things. Like, I'm like, yo, he needs to slow it down a little bit. Like, he's just going from one spot to the next spot, not selling shit. And I'm like, that shows somebody who has the baseline but needs to, like, fine-tune it a little bit. Somebody who needs to fine-tune their skills should not be thrust into a main event against the top guy for the top title, in my opinion. That That's the way I see it. And I know, like, you know, I'm talking in, like, a bunch of, like, chat rooms and groups and people are all like, oh, but would you be okay with other people coming in for a title shot or a legend coming in for a title shot? And I'm like, no, I I wouldn't be okay with that shit. Like, I I keep it fair, you know what I mean? I'm not okay with fucking having Goldberg waltz in and then get a title shot against Roman Reigns either. So it's just, like, even keel. But 
I would rather that though, just because if it's a legend, it's somebody who paid their dues. It's somebody who's been in the business for a long time and not someone who just had two matches decided one day, Oh, I, I want to wrestle. And then I could do this. And because I have a bunch of like cloud on YouTube. Oh, well, you know, what? I'm going to get the easy signing where there's wrestlers who've been busting their ass for years to get to that spot. Wrestlers in the WWE who busted their ass for years and never even had a title match yet. And then you're just handing over title matches to Logan Paul. This was a very Vince man decision. And I just didn't expect this so quickly in his run and so quickly in the triple H regime, but it is what it is, right? Yeah, my only my only retort to that would be is a lot of people like any no decision question. like like this. Oh, what's up? What's up, Devin? I always Homies. throw my wands. Hell yeah! <laughs> my only my only retort to this would be, um, or to what you said would be, every bad Triple H decision is being thrown at is it's a Vince decision. It's like a Vince decision, <laughs> and you know the dude ain't gonna be perfect. Like we want him to be perfect, but he's not gonna be perfect. And this from like a revenue aspect of it. And again, I'm just talking about the business. I get, yo, trust me, bro. I get where you're coming from. Give me Roman yeah. Drew again. Solo cost Drew. There's no reason Drew I shouldn't get his. There's a story shot. there. Yeah. Kevin Owens has been calling out Roman Reigns every single mm-hmm. time he puts that fucking mic in his hand. That, you know, there's plenty of people. There's more him. of a story there than fucking, oh, well, he was on my podcast and I think I could beat him. Like, right, right. I mean, the best thing Roman Reigns is like, I'm not a 15 year old girl. I don't know who you are. Like that was that was some funny shit. I guess you can get a couple quick one liners. The Tribal Chief yeah. is the man. That whole little like press Thanks. conference that they set out with uh, with the Bloodline and Paul Heyman there, and I've been seeing a lot of the '90s Bulls meme things uh, going around with it. Like he's Phil yeah. Jackson and Roman's Michael and Jay Scotty, of course. A That's lot perfect. of <laughs> yeah, it's been and then yeah. Sammy Zayn sitting over there is Tony Kukoc, which I thought was fucking hilarious, dude. But uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Fuck, it's Logan Paul though. When I first when he first came up, when he was tagging with the Miz, I was like, This is awful, dude. Get this guy the fuck out of here. But then he yeah. was fine. A title shot though. Oh fuck, it's yeah, it's, it's I'm not, not even mad at him getting a title shot, but just not yet, you know what I mean? Have him work himself up to that spot like he's supposedly signed for a couple years it's not like this is just a one and done he's signed for a couple years so he has time to build up like why peak now like this is his third matchup right Clark Street says hey even Brock Lesnar said just get over and put butts in seats that's what Logan does you know what I see a lot of people saying that and yo Devin you know I'm a big fan of your show and you know I love you brother but the ratings hasn't been up since Logan Paul been on TV. It's not because of Logan Paul. Logan Paul did not sell out SummerSlam. Logan Paul, when he was on Raw in the Garden and shit, the ratings didn't spike up because Logan Paul was announced. So I don't know if Logan Paul's really putting butts in seats like that. That That's like maybe on YouTube. Maybe his podcast is very, like I guess, important in the podcast world. But in the wrestling world, he's not really drawing the needle, I think. Like, people are going to respect him for what he does, but right now, are people looking like, oh, well, Logan Paul's must-see TV? I don't think so, no, in but, my opinion. But you know what? At the same time, I think it's like within a week, his brother's fighting Anderson Silva in whatever boxing yeah. that they do. So I think they're trying to capitalize off of that heat, too. Or not heat, but, like, that publicity, too. So they'd be like, That's our true. top guy is fighting Jake Paul. You got Anderson Silva fucking fighting... Or we got our guys fighting Logan Paul, fucking Anderson Silva's fighting Jake Paul, so maybe they can capitalize mm-hmm. on that too. Trust me, Daniel, I, I definitely that, get what I definitely get what you're saying, dude. Give me a Drew, give me a KO, give me a KO. Yeah. I don't want KO to lose though, so I don't know. I don't want that's that's where it gets <laughs> tough though. Like you don't it want Drew tough, to yeah. lose to Roman 
again. You don't want KO to lose to Roman. You don't want Seth losing to Roman. So it, yeah. you put Braun back in that spot, and then you know everyone's shit in a brick because they're like, oh, you fucking just bring this guy back, and he's instantly in the title to picture. Lose, what the yeah. fuck? It, it's it's tough, man. It's it, it's tough. No, yeah. Clark Street says that's the difference between Papa H and the fans. He's doing what's best for business. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. And I'll tell you what, though. I do look at – I know he's probably been wanting to bring war games up to the main roster for a long time, but I do look at him announcing war games for Survivor Series during this time period, during this, like, controversial, like, title matchup that was just announced as a way to say, hey, like, I'm still going to give you guys what you guys want. Let me just do this matchup, you know what I mean? There's even been uh, some – I guess reports that a world title shot was in Logan Paul's uh, contract. So maybe Triple H was just trying to get it like sooner rather than later, but we'll see in what cr- happens. Crown Jewel is the perfect place for it. Cause again, what happens yeah. in Crown Jewel other than Goldberg beating people doesn't fucking happen in Crown Jewel, you know? <laughs> I mean, it could have been at Survivor Series. And I think that main eventing Survivor Series would have been a real black eye on that uh, pay-per-view. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, at least it's at Crown Jewel. But the, with as incredible Owens has been in every aspect, he should be the one to take the title off Roman. I've been saying that for weeks. A lot of people saying Seth, people saying Cody, but Kevin Owens right now, week in and week out, is putting on bangers for matches, bangers on the mic. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad at him getting another shot with the top gold because he's definitely deserving and he's showing that he's willing to put in that work. But yeah, so let's get into SmackDown from this past week. You know, just a quick overview. I think that this was a really good episode of SmackDown. I thought that the wrestling on this episode was insane. Um, Ricochet versus Sami Zayn was awesome. Love that matchup. I love the main event, that four-way for the tag title. I mean, the number one contendership for the tag titles. Every team looked very good. Everyone had their time to shine. Um, I think it was great that they went with the Brawling Brutes because it gives them something new to do, a new feud. Them and the Usos is going to be really fun. Um, I was a little scared that they were going to give it to the New Day, and I respect the New Day, but, you know, the New Day versus Usos, we've seen that millions and millions and millions of times, so I wanted something fresh, so glad that we're going to get a fresh matchup. Um, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed the SmackDown. Like, these two hours flew by like nothing. Yeah, bro. Um, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. You took all the words out of my mouth. I'm really glad that they switched up the main event. Uh, the teams out of there, I'm glad they took the Street Profits out of there. Because what are you going to have? What are you going to have them do again? Like, I don't mind them winning and going again. I love the Street Profits. Who doesn't? Sure. But, like, the Usos just beat them twice, basically clean. Like, how are you going to have them, you know, fight them again? Like you said, with the New Day, love the New Day, but we can't, we can't see that again right now. So I yeah. love that. It, I love that it was the Brawling Brutes. And I think kind of with the War Games coming up, you can have them with the face turn. There's Sheamus is so over right now. And I don't expect the Brawling Brutes to win the tag titles. I think that'll be KO and Sammy down the line, probably at WrestleMania, because yeah. the U- Usos be holding those belts. They're not fucking losing those belts anytime soon. But I agree with that. These guys running at the Usos are the perfect guys for a couple months to fucking go at them. Sheamus can fuck with Roman. Sheamus can, can fuck with Solo. And then you got Drew there to kind of like be the catalyst to, to help them out too. So I, I really – and the main event itself, tag team wrestling, a lot of people were saying that Braun killed it after the – when he when he debuted and ruined that match, no, that fucking match, nah. bang, dude, hit Row had yeah. some killer fucking tag spots in that match. Everything New Day does is always fucking good. And then every, sure. Imperium Brawling Brutes tore it up. Ricochet and Sammy was hot. Anytime I get to watch Bailey wrestle, I'm all in on that. So Bailey wrestle Raquel, which I was good with. Shotzi showed up. She made a face turn 
And I'm imagining that's because she wants to bring her, her tank back and save Raquel um, <laughs> yeah. from a beatdown of uh, damage control. But but my only uh, disappointment with that was I thought when Shotzi showed up, she was going to turn on Raquel and join damage control. I think she would have actually been, been with a, that. a pretty nice fit in that group. So that was – I mean, that's not a gripe by any means. I'm glad Shotzi was back and got yeah. her little pop that she got. But I think it would have been cool had she had joined uh, damage control. But all in all, very fast two hours, yeah. I definitely think that she would have fit with damage control too. But um, it's it's cool to see like damage control having other women to feud with. But definitely, like she would have fit in right perfectly with that group. Shout out to Kofi Wheatston, Dirty Hills Podcast was good, homie. What up, Kofi? Agree with Owens for sure. I still own WWE, <laughs> William Regal, War Games. Yeah, see, that's what's missing. You know what I mean? We need William Regal to call that out. Like, I'm a big AEW fan, but... At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When he, when he yelled out blood and guts, it didn't have that same effect that he used to have on, you know, NXT a, when he would yell out all, war games. <laughs> not at all, dude. Like, he, like, missed the mic when he said it, too, which was the problem. He, yeah. like, missed the whole war part. And I was like, oh, or not war, but the blood part. And I was like, yeah. dude. Yeah, I feel you for sure. But when he was the fucking yell war games, that shit, you could feel that shit through your body. <laughs> oh, he was the best in that role, dude. I think they should have given real. him. I like what he's doing with B. I won't get off topic. My bad. Keep, keep, keep it on. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, man. <laughs> yeah, yo, no, I was, when people learn about the rest yeah. of the Lauren podcast, there is no topic. We'd be fucking going all over the place. Cool. <laughs> I was just going to say, I like him in the role he's in with BCC. But, like, I don't need him coming out and on commentary three times a show. Like, we get you there. I think, like, it would have been cool if he had with some sort of on-screen role like he had in NXT. And he definitely needs yeah. to pick up that pencil backstage and help Tony out with actual booking. But That's a fact. Yeah. We've been saying that for a long time. I mean, who better? Who better backstage than William Regal? Like, he's been around for a long time, and he would be really well in that role. He has a lot of prestige, and the mindset that that man has for wrestling is fucking amazing. So definitely, I 100% agree with that. Shout out, Courtney. How you doing? Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcasts, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How 
powerful as Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, so we're about to go back in time. We're about to go all the way back to October 20th, 1997. This is why people tune into the Wrestling DeLorean podcast for, for the timelines, you know what I mean? So we're going to start off with Raw is War, but, yo, I'm just saying right now before we get into this, this was a crazy-ass week of wrestling back in the day. There was so much to talk about. Fucking Nitro felt like it was a pay-per-view. Raw was insane, like so many historic moments there. Like, even last week, you had the birth of DX, like where they officially have the name DX. Um, their feud with the Heart Foundation, them with the uh Nation of Domination framing the Heart Foundation for writing on so much crazy shit we're about to get into. But I just feel like week in and week out, there's so much history that we're watching, like with these episodes. It's insane. Next week, we got Halloween Havoc. Man, this is just a fun time period to like go back to. So before we get into this, I just urge all my listeners and everyone who's following along, go back in time and follow along with us because this is a lot of fun, especially 1997. Late 97 is insane right now. So go back, fire up Peacock, WWE Network if you're overseas, and go back in time and watch these shows with us. But let's get into it. Monday Night Raw, Raw is War, October 20th, 1997. This show started out with the uh, Legion of Doom. This was a little confusing, though. Legion of Doom comes out with oh, Ahmed yeah. Johnson and Ken Shamrock, and I thought we were about to get a four-on-four four because then the Nation of Domination comes out. But instead, I guess Legion of Doom was just in the corners of Ahmed Johnson and Ken Shamrock, who will be getting a world title shot next week against Bret Hart. That should be really good. Um, but, yeah, starting out high, we had Ken Shamrock and Ahmed Johnson versus Rocky Maivia and Kama Musafa. What did you think about this matchup? I thought the whole thing was cool. So I went back and watched the Raw before because I wanted to get a grasp of what was going on. And I had remembered in 97 that year that they had been feuding like crazy. The Nation, Ahmed, Shamrock, and LOD. I want to give a, yeah. uh, a cheap plug. I just got to interview Ken Shamrock with Nick from the Universal Wrestling Podcast Great on interview. the Universal Wrestling Podcast. So definitely check that out. 
And I asked him about all of these guys because this is when I was a 12 year old kid in 1997. So like this was me flicking back and forth with the controller. Like it's because we didn't have DVR. So like you might have the VCR yeah. in one room running one channel and trying to watch the other, but you, you can't, you're like, you want to know what's going on though. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you're still, yeah. even if you're recording, flicking back and forth. Um, this was really cool. They, I, I like get these eight guys getting back together. They always had beef for like six to eight months. It felt like Ahmed <laughs> feuded with the nation for like th- two years when he wasn't yeah. hurt um, until he joined them, which was odd as fuck. But this yeah, guy, was weird, I was like, wait, time. Yeah, it was so weird. But yeah, I, I thought we were about to get an eight man. And then they're like, oh, it's just a tag match with Ahmed and Ken Shamrock. It was cool. Uh, the ending was fine. What I really liked about the whole start to the show, like the first 45 minutes, was like all of these feuds were intertwined. All of these stories yeah. were being told together. So you had LOD out there. You had Shamrock. You had Ahmed. You had the whole nation at the time. You had the Godwins coming out and fucking with LOD because LOD had just taken the belt to tag titles from the yep. Godwins, and then they had been feuding. You got the Hart Foundation mixing it up, and you had DX and Austin. So, like, you had all yep. of these people mixed into one little fucking ball. So fucking good. The booking, or the writing, very, very fucking spot on. Now, yeah, that's something that I loved about the WWF in this time period is, yeah, everybody was intertwined. So the combinations of matches are endless when you have Stone Cold feuding with Owen Hart, which led to his feud with Farouk because he screwed Farouk over the IC title because he wanted Owen Hart to continue to hold that title. So when he got better, he takes that title from Owen. But of course, that's going to piss off Farouk. So now he has beef with both the Nation and the Hart Foundation, who's also feuding with DX, who has a kind of an alignment with the Nation of Domination. So for real, like that's, that's something that was so unique about this. And you don't really see that nowadays. Like you have like separate feuds, but they don't really intertwine like this. And it was just like so many layers to it. Like, and you're going to see that on the show because yeah, we have DX on uh top of the stage. They're always making a mockery of whatever segments on. Uh, this mm-hmm. is the famous segment where they have like the signs up. Shawn Michaels had a sign that said, I'd rather be in China. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Triple H had a sign that says who books this crap or some shit like that. Like very entertaining. Um, yeah. The, the opening segment I, I enjoyed, but it was kind of confusing with, uh, LOD coming out first because it just didn't make sense. I think that not they just even needed in, them to show the face. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. Is, so they just were out there. So I guess they just needed them to show face being that they won the tag titles last week and they needed, I guess, the Godwins to attack them. But I wasn't mad at it. It was great to see so much star power and especially like future stars like Rocky Maivia is out here. It's just crazy to see. But for sure, opening segment was fun. Um, Nation of Domination come back out. And Farouk says that he sees that the WWE is nothing but racist. He sees nothing but racism. He uh, he said he wants to settle this shit with uh, Bret Hart. So Bret Hart comes to the ring. Well, first, you know, they I don't think they showed it here um, unless I missed it. I know they showed it in the original broadcast. I don't know if Peacock blocked it, but the Nation of Domination's locker room was vandalized. Yeah, they didn't know. I, I wanted to see it, and they did not show it, no. Yeah, I remember the original broadcast. They, I believe they did show it. And there was, like, a bunch of, like, racial slurs on the fucking wall and shit. They probably blocked it here. Probably for, you know, it's good sense that they blocked it because there oh, have been 20, a lot of uproar over that shit. 25 fucking years later, there's not even anything remotely close to what they could have done on television or that they could exactly. do now that they were doing back then. Yeah, no, no, no. That's why I wanted to see it because I yeah. was curious what the fuck they were putting on TV. 
25 years ago that was allowed and like status quo is fucked up as that is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But I know that um, when Peacock got the, the video library, I know that they made a, quite a few edits, especially in this time period and the attitude error. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of shit in the future that were seen on the original broadcast and that we're not going to be able to see. But um, yeah, so DX is basically framing the Heart Foundation. And the Nation of Domination, hook, line, and sinker is falling for it. So they call out the Heart Foundation. Heart Foundation is all like staggering out here. They weren't ready to come out. Like you still see them putting on their jackets to come out. And then everyone's getting like a little pop, but out comes Bret Hart, who gets a big pop. And we get a matchup. It is Farouk versus Bret Hart. DX comes down. They are a part of every segment, it feels like, on this show. But, um, yeah, this was a nice little matchup until the end where Stone Cold Steve Austin comes in and he stunts Farouk. And, yeah, like, the camera was shaking. The crowd went wild when Stone Cold came out. That camera was shaking. I, you don't really see that anymore, but nope. there was a lot of moments during that era where you would have, like, the camera shaking because the crowd is just pumping up so much electricity. But what did you think about the segment, Stone Cold interfering, the, the vandalism frame and all that other shit? Yeah, so I wanted to ask you if it was just my TV or if the camera was actually fucking shaking, dude. Because when Austin oh, came out, shaking. bro, that was fucking crazy, man. And uh, the match itself was cool. Um, always Bret Hart a match is a Bret Hart match. I always like I liked at the end when Stone Cold stunned Farouk and Bret Hart got the pin. I always like the layaway pin on the arm. It just makes like Bret seem dominant. I don't know. It's just yeah. A, a look you'd have to watch it i guess i can't really describe it but the, the pin itself i like how he how he executes that pin the vandalism story through yelling about about the racism i'm sure i mean it's still fucking prevalent in 2022 it's disgusting but in neither is I'm, I'm sure in 1997 there was some like something going on in the news at the time which prompted them to bring that to their tv framing you know dx framing the hearts i think is great um great storylines disappointing for me and i'll talk about it when we get to wcw the older i get the more annoying hulk hogan was and the older i get when i go back yeah. and sean sean michaels is my favorite wrestler growing up i was a sean michaels guy not a bret hart guy and same i don't i don't know man he's fucking annoying as hell dude i'm like this guy is not even it's not entertaining like it what like maybe it's, i was a kid i was entertained by it but now i'm just like it's not funny like this is this shit's stupid and uh yeah. I should have been. I kind of wish I was more of a Bret Hart guy as a kid. Fucking, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's wild to I, say. Yo, I, I mentioned it a couple times, like the last couple weeks when I'm watching these shows. Like Shawn Michaels, like you know, growing up, that was my guy. Like I was a huge Shawn Michaels fan. But a lot of like the juvenile like jokes and shit, like I guess it hit well because I was a kid, right? And right. now watching back is like this is kind of corny. Like even like the quasi like being disrespectful fucking sticking the canadian flag up his nose and no one knows canada like it's just corny as fuck but it's like i i don't know like i for the time period for the age i was like i i fucking loved it but just like you said like going back now it's like bret hart i respect him a lot more and i kind of wish my brother was always the bret hart guy i was always the Shawn michaels guy and we would always get into arguments about this and I'm kind of on his side now. I'm like, yeah, you know, Bret Hart was like the no nonsense. I'm going in there. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to win the title, and that's it. Then you got this guy joking around and just making a mockery out of shit. And it, it's not even funny. Like, I can understand if, like, it was funny, but it's just so, like, juvenile. I don't know, but I'm right there with you.
But um, definitely good to see Bret Hart be Farouk here. But, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, man. Now, you just mentioned WCW. Last week on Nitro, Deborah McMichaels said that it was originally supposed to be Mongo McMichaels versus Jeff Jarrett at Halloween Havoc. But WCW announced that Jeff Jarrett was no longer with the company. So that matchup is not going to happen. We'll talk about that when we get to Nitro. But surprise, surprise, on this episode of Raw, just one week later, there was no non-compete clauses back then. One week later, Jeff Jarrett shows up here on Monday Night Raw. And he goes on a tirade about getting fired from the WCW. He talks about Vince McMahon and the stupid-ass gimmick that he gave him when he was originally in the WWF. And then he just goes down in order and starts talking about the top guys in the WWF. Talks about how Bret Hart was the best. He's no longer the best. And talks about how Shawn Michaels is just everything we just said, juvenile. And he's the icon who can still go. But obviously he can't go more than a couple weeks because he's constantly getting injured and he's on the shelf or just doesn't want to wrestle. And then I guess the most controversial, because it actually sparked some real-life heat, was him coming at Stone Cold Steve Austin for the blasphemy of the 316 shirt. And um, Jeff Jarrett always been like a real religious person. I know he's talked about it on his podcast. Like he's a religious person. So he took offense to Stone Cold Steve Austin's 316 shirt. And yeah, this was just crazy because a lot of this came off as a shoot. I'm sure he cleared some things with McMahon and the guys in the back. But this is what made this era so like must watch for me. Like anybody could jump on any show and then. Once they start talking about the other show and shooting, like this shit is must-watch TV. And this coming from someone like Jeff Jarrett, who, in my opinion, was never was like the most like entertaining or exciting guy to watch. But for this promo, he had me. He had me fucking hook, line, and sinker. So what did you think about Jeff Jarrett's return to the WWF here? <clears throat> Yo, so again, like you took the words out of my mouth. I was never a Jeff Jarrett guy. Had I seen this promo maybe as a kid and understood the wrestling business that I how I understand it now I probably would have been all in on Jeff Jarrett I was facts, fucking yeah, yeah. hook line and sinker I'm sitting there like facts spit yeah. facts spit everything he said was fucking spot on I'm sitting there like after this promo how didn't and I, I guess I'd have to go back but how didn't he get pushed to the fucking moon dude upper mid card yeah. right away he could have been elevated right into a title picture that was hot Great promo. Everything he said about Michaels and Austin and Hart was good. The way he fucking yeah. went it went in on Bischoff and Mongo. And then Vince McMahon's over there <laughs> laughing. And he's like, don't you fucking snark. But he didn't like he you was doing the same like, shit. Yeah. And he did it all yeah. like he didn't he didn't like swear at all. He did it really like like cookie cutter and PG too. But like yeah. he got it, he got his point across. And like you just say, told Vince McMahon, you did the same shit as you mentioned with your bullshit gimmick, the gold tooth and your fucking roadie. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, damn, Double J. Yeah. I always, I never was a Double J guy. When he was a world damn. champion in WCW, I was disgusted. I said, this is where your fucking company is going now. When he was in the yeah. Four Horsemen, I thought it was stupid. I mean, I never, I never enjoyed anything that he did. So when I saw this promo, but I think not long after he did, isn't this where he does that stupid ass fucking, what's, what was Jim Cornette's mid? It's not mid south. What was the company? Oh, with the, the, they, the heavenly NWA. bodies. Yeah, they, they like, try to revive the NWA, and then he like was like Bob the NWA Holly, champion. Yeah, Bo- the, the Bo- what was it? The Midnight Bob. Express two thousand or some shit. 
like stupid. Yeah, they ruined yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't know. I thought that they I thought the promo was fucking fire. I thought that they really could have done something with Jared here and pushed him to the next level, but I don't think that they did. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, they, they gosh, man, they could have capitalized heavy on this because you come in and you're talking shit about the other company. And yeah, even the shit that he said about Mongo, like he, the ex-football player who can't even do a tie-up. I mean, shit, we've been watching Nitro week in and week out. And I've been saying Mongo's hard to watch. So, like, just stating the facts. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's rumors out there that this really did piss off Steve Austin. And Steve Austin was already being geared up to be the next top guy. And since Steve Austin was pissed off about this, that's kind of what halted the push that Jeff Jarrett was supposed to get. But, man, just to think of what could have been. Because, yeah, like you said, same here. I never was a big Jeff Jarrett fan. I was big into TNA. I hated every time he was the world champion. I was like, this shit is so unbelievable. There's so many better wrestlers on that company than Jeff Jarrett. So, and then, like, already, we already knew that he owned the company. So, it was like, the guy owns the company. He's always champion. So, I never really was a fan of his. But, gosh, man, like, if I was this age now, and, I mean, if I was this age back then and saw this happen, he would have made me a fan now for that promo because anything I'm a, I'm like a sucker for anybody calling out another promotion live on TV and like by name and like going real inside baseball with it too. Like I love that type of shit because like it's a war. It, the show is called raw is war. They, they put the is war on it because they know nitro been coming for WWF's neck. So they're doing the same and they're going to war. So they're going to be shooting ammo at WCW. So that's the type of shit that excited me. And you have a guy who you wouldn't expect it from, like dropping fucking bombs on the mic. Oh, so, like, so random, dude. And it was nice to see because when I was watching Nitro, Easy E dropped Vince McMahon's name like four times, dude. And I was yeah. just like, damn, bro, give it yeah. a rest. And then, you know, you fire over here, and Vince is just like, uh, he's like, I'm a fucking fire right back at you. So I was like, okay. It took a while right, before he decided to fire back. Took a long yeah. time before he decided to fire back. He was taking shots to the face for a while. But you're right. That non-compete stuff was fucking big. Because imagine, like, and, you know, we ain't got to talk about it. But imagine, like, if Malachi Black just show up in WWE tonight on Raw. Yeah. Like, how fucking crazy that shit would be, man. But that's sure. how it used to be. Luger, Jarrett, yeah. Rick Rude. I'm sure you're going to talk about it if you haven't yet. Oh, yeah, that's coming up soon. Rick Rude showing up on Nitro and Raw at the same night. Or he was on Raw. It was taped. Shows yeah. up on the live Nitro insane man insane but yeah this time period is so much fun um next matchup we had brian christopher with his dad who no one's mentioning is his dad but the commentary uh jerry lawler and he's going against mark miro who's making his return here and this is where he debuts the short hair look he has the dope ass theme song that he didn't have before um he's with sable here and this was an interesting matchup. I feel like the the outside shit kind of took away from the matchup because both these guys are very talented. But you had Jerry the King Lawler put a Stone Cold Steve Austin hat on Sable saying that this is how you try to sell the hat. We're trying to get sales. And then uh, you had Mark Miro go out and he tossed the hat. It looked like he was jealous that she was wearing a Stone Cold hat. I know that they go into the whole storyline where there's like a jealousy angle. But 
I was in, I was interested in this matchup from like an in-ring perspective, but it wasn't much in-ring because it was cut short. And on top of that, like I said, a lot of the attention went to Sable outside. But nonetheless, Brian Christopher gets a, another – oh, no, Mark Miro actually gets the win. Uh, but Brian Christopher, he looks good. Like, I forget how good Brian Christopher was at this time. Uh, last week he had a banger with Tajeri, which I forgot Tajeri was even in the WWF at this point for the light heavyweights. But, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see more uh, Brian Christopher here. But, yeah, pretty interesting matchup. I wish that they didn't dedicate too much time to the outside shenanigans with the King and Sable, though. Yeah, it was cool seeing uh, the King walk Brian Christopher down to the ring, and then I don't really think that they were, he was acknowledging it too much. I know JR was hitting it on the head. Sable, yeah. <laughs> Sable was there. She was just starting to come into her own. The jealousy angle starts into 98 and she starts doing all the bikini contests and shit like that so you'll enjoy that as the time comes the match it it was like it was like four minutes it is what it is like you said it could have been better i like this i always thought mark mirror was incredibly talented and underrated and his commentary kept saying brian christopher is the best light heavyweight in wwe i don't know why they kept calling him the best when he wasn't the champ I, I digress. They don't even have a champ yet. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the belt the wasn't there yet? Soon, yeah. uh, okay. Not yet. They're going to start the tournament, I think, next week. All right. Or cool, in two cool, weeks cool. or something. I wasn't sh- yeah. yeah. I, I know Taka wrestled on the show, too. I wasn't sure if uh, the belt just hadn't come yet or if they weren't talking about it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're about to start the tournament, I believe, in November to what's called to, to crown the first champion. So, so Lennox so, Coleman, my guy. <laughs> yeah, right? This is the little sample size. But, uh, yeah, next up on the show, we have Owen Hart versus Shawn Michaels, which was a champion-for-champion match. Owen Hart is the current IC champion. Shawn Michaels is the current European champion. Uh, Rick Rude comes out. He he introduces Shawn Michaels to a lot of fanfare, I guess. I always felt like Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart had great chemistry. And this may have not been their best matchup, but for the time that they got in this matchup, they put on a really good matchup, I feel. Um we see Stone Cold once again in this matchup. Stone Cold's like all over the show as well. He comes in and he hits the stunner on the referee this time to once again cause a DQ just because Stone Cold wants the title to stay with Owen Hart. And I love the storyline. I love the storyline that Owen Hart drops Stone Cold on his head. That's real. We all know that. He broke his neck. But Stone Cold wants his revenge. But he doesn't just want his revenge. He wants that title back. So he's going to do whatever he can to help Owen Hart until he is ready to and cleared to face Owen Hart for that title. It's very similar to, um, I know for the ECW episodes that we do on Wednesday, we currently, me and Dom just talked about how Taz was watching the back of the franchise Shane Douglas because he wants to be the first champion, uh, the first guy to get a title shot when Shane Douglas is back from his injury. So this was very similar to that where regardless if I hate you or not, I'm going to make sure you keep that title by any means because I'm going to be the guy to take that title from you. I love that storyline. And it, it just, it's just awesome because it's not something that you typically see. You know what I mean? And yeah, like once again, the star power on this, you had, after this, you had Bret Hart comes down. He starts brawling with uh, HBK. DX starts brawling with the Hart Foundation. We had the big pull apart. Just insane how many stars is on this show and how many future Hall of Famers. But what did you think about this matchup? the segment, the the brawl afterwards. Yeah, dude, I, I loved it. Again, you hit the nail on the head. Anytime you put these two in the ring together, you're going to get, whether it's for five minutes or 20 minutes, you're going to get good results. I love, and it's funny because it's like the storyline kick that puts Shawn Michaels out, but I love when Owen Hart 
hits the Instaguri on Shawn Michaels. It's just something about the way he hits that move onto Shawn and the way Shawn sells it. The brawl is great. Anytime you can see, um, you know, Brett, Shawn throw down, I'm, I'm all for it. I loved how Stone Cold was just vigilante all over the show. Like you said, that story <laughs> that storyline's fucking awesome, dude. Keep the belt on Owen so you can go and take it off of him. Absolutely love that. And yeah, I didn't expect a title change. It was fucking 1997. We were going to get a DQ for Sherman. And like for all the other matches on the show, this was by far and away the best in-ring work that we were going to see. And for the time period, I thought it was really good in-ring. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, next, we hear from The Undertaker for the first time since uh, Bad Blood in your house when Kane made his debut. Kane debuted, I believe, about three or four weeks ago, and Undertaker has not been seen since his uh, Hell in the Cell match with Shawn Michaels where Kane took out The Undertaker. And Undertaker basically says, you know, I walk around with the shadow of the burden of thinking that my brother's dead and now he's back, but regardless, he will not fight his own flesh and blood, you know? I could only imagine when I was watching this at this age, I was fucking three years old at the time, three or four years old. I could only imagine that I was probably all in like, oh yeah, he will never fight his brother. And now we looked like back in time and they had like fucking at least like a 200 matches, but right. definitely like, I love this story. Like this is one of my favorite storylines of all time. The whole Kane and Undertaker storyline was insane, especially when Kane first made his debut. Like I was fucking terrified of Kane. Like he, he reminded me of Michael Myers, the way he would just fucking be so stoic and silent and sit up but definitely i love this whole storyline between kane and the undertaker um this also leads to dude love who was supposed to be going against british bulldog but in fact kane makes his uh in well he returns here because kane was i believe kane was not on last week's show he was two weeks ago and then he like wasn't on last week's and then he returns here takes out dude love dude love actually clotheslines him gets him to the outside kane lands on his feet Dulove's hits him with a chair shot, no effect. Big choke slam on the steel, and then Kane just walks off like a motherfucking boss. Insane. What do you think about the Undertaker segment? The whole segment with Dude Love it wasn't really a matchup, but the whole I guess beatdown. My first thought was, how the fuck is British Bulldog going to come back out here for a third time tonight and have a match right, right after <laughs> he was just brawling? He was brawling earlier. I'm like, damn man, they are just running these guys. Yeah. My second thought was, I really can't wait to see what further happens between Undertaker and Kane. Like you said, it's one of the best rivalries, if not the best rivalry of all time. And then even as a 12-year-old, I was fucking tripped out by Kane, dude. I was like, this dude's creepy as fuck, man. And I just wish they kind of left that allure with him. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you sustain that for years. I mean, they did it for Goldberg on the other side for like almost two years. I don't know how maybe you, I don't know, Stone Cold was so hot. But keep him away from the belt. I know that's not the subject, but that Kane was fucking incredible, dude. And that was just a different month. We, I don't think we've seen a monster since we've seen that Kane. And uh, it was the undertaker's debut when he first showed up. And then it was that guy. And I don't really think we've seen an an actual monster since the dude loves stuff was awesome. You actually thought that Foley would get a little bit in on him. And King just like, nah, man, shit all over his ass, (laughs) dude. And I look forward to see where Kane goes from here. Yeah, for sure. I, I, there was something about him just, like, not selling shit, too. Like, when Dude Love hit him with the chair shot, Kane didn't put his hand up. He took that shit right on the top of the skull and just didn't even fucking budge. So, yeah, like, that shit would fucking freak me out when I was younger. Like, he doesn't feel pain. Like, he's a fucking monster. But, yeah, like you said, like, since then, I haven't seen anyone who debuted with that type of, like, I guess, allure and just, like, a monster who just didn't 
get affected by like people, normal people like hitting him with chairs and shit. We didn't really see Kane budge until fucking he got into the ring with Undertaker. Yep. So I really love that character. Like it's so hard. Kane was around for so many years. And like you said, to keep that allure, like of course, like things start to get stale after a while if you go to the well one too many times. But I don't know, like that's somebody who I wish kind of kept that allure because Undertaker was always able to keep that allure. He switched it up at times. He had the American Badass gimmick, so he always kept shit fresh. I I never was a fan of when they removed the mask from Kane. Um, definitely wasn't a fan of fucking corporate Kane. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, but I just wish that they kept that character. Like, you know who has the most losses in wrestling in WWE history? Kane. Yeah, dude, it's fucking crazy. He's got like twelve hundred ninety-four <laughs> losses. It's fucking god nuts, damn. dude crazy this yeah. is, i mean and then like seeing like i know he wrestled for 20 fucking years and of all the wrestlers he had an incredible bill of health like i really can't think of a sustained time that kane was out but man yeah. it's almost 1300 motherfucking losses for a guy that debuted like that he should have been well protected yeah for sure definitely should have been protected so next up on the show we got the headbangers versus the tag team debut of the new age outlaws which i just been waiting for They're one of my favorite tag teams of all time so i just been waiting for them to come out here and they had a winning debut against the headbangers after billy gunn nailed thrasher with the fucking boom box which shattered everywhere i don't know how the referee didn't see that shit like it was all over the fucking ring and he still counts the three something that i loved about this matchup though was jr was fucking going on a tirade on commentary about how like i, I believe road dog said something about jr and jr said it wouldn't be my first time I get knocked on my ass, but I've been knocked on my ass by better men than you or some shit. Like, Jared was just on fire for this. But definitely, what did you think about this matchup in the debut for the Outlaws? Yeah, man, I, I loved it. I love the New Age Outlaws. They're one of my favorite tag teams of all time. I remember back then, neither one of them were good individually. So once they finally started to put their heads together, they made this team. And I was always a, a Headbangers fan, so getting to see them throw back was cool. Yeah. I got to see them in that Jacks commercial. With the LOD wrestling figures that <laughs> I, I love still, that commercial. I still got them out there and fucking my my kids play with them and shit. So like, awesome. so like that's dope and shit. So I was like, oh, those are the figures. That's just what I was getting them. So bone crusher figures. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Fucking clicking shit. But yeah, no, it was it was good. It was good. Uh, I, the outlaws are starting, baby, and you're gonna get that dumpster match coming soon. They're gonna be joining DX. Big big things coming for them. I'm just glad that uh, Road Dog switched up the whole spiel because. Gosh, I never I thought it was always you better call somebody. First time he said it, he said you better page somebody. That shit didn't really hit like you better call somebody. <laughs> right, right. I don't wait. Did he say did he say that on, on this episode? Because I don't think I noticed it. Yeah, at the end of his like uh I guess the promo he had coming to the ring at the very end, he said, yeah. if you don't know, you better page somebody. Oh, I was like, what? Fuck. I wish I, I, oh, like, I didn't catch that. Nice, nice catch. Yeah, I was like, page somebody. I didn't expect that, but Anyway, oh, those next. were the day, those were the days, bro. Fucking the pagers, the beepers. You, yeah. you were you were a kid, but I had a nice little red one that I had. Fucking lights all oh, over man. that shit, dude. I remember That's my uncle had one. I fucking wanted that shit so cool. But <laughs> next up on this ma- on this show, we have a light heavyweight matchup between Taijeri and Takamishinoku, two guys who are Japanese legends. Didn't expect to see this matchup on the show either. I thought Taijeri was brought in for maybe one appearance last week on Raw, but. Really cool to see Ty Jerry because he's one of my favorite wrestlers. Like, I loved his run in ECW. I always felt like WWE didn't capitalize on him like they should have did because ECW, he was a star. 
But um, him and Taka had great chemistry, short matchup, but was more athletic than almost anything else on the show. A lot of crazy ass like dives. And I think that this is cool that this is kind of like their answer to the WCW cruiserweights, because if you look at what the cruiserweights are doing on the other channel, they're running away with the fucking in-ring abilities that they got. Because right now, WWE, they had more like character-based wrestlers. On the other channel, you have Benoit, you have Malenko, Mysterio, Guerrero. So this is a good answer to that, bringing in more Japanese talent like this and more high-flying talent. But um, definitely cool. It was, a, it was a nice little treat to see these two on the show. Yeah, it was, it was way too quick. I was hoping it would be a little bit longer. But, I mean, you still see these guys out there now. Uh, Tajiri's still fucking, I think he was just like the MLW middleweight champion yeah. like less than a year ago. Takamichinoku's over here taking every pin fucking for Suzuki Goon. So, like, yeah. it's 25 years later, they're still doing their thing. I wish it went longer, but the like you said, the cruiserweights are doing their damn thing. And it wasn't even like those high-profile ones. Like you said, you still had a bunch of luchadors underneath them who were doing yeah. them. Plus, Japanese guys, like Ultimo Dragon was there doing his thing, too. So, you get Brian Christopher, Takamichinoku, you got Tajiri, I, get, I know Aguila is there. I think, God, I hope I didn't botch his name. But I think Aguila's there somewhere. So you're going to be fucking, you got all these guys. So I like what WWE is doing there. I wish the match would have went a little bit longer. WC- yeah. From what I recall, WCW would let those matches go 10 to 12 minutes. Having a two and a half minute match like this, to me, kind of defeats the purpose of it. Yeah, and they also announced that they're going to start the tournament in November for the light heavyweights to crown the first light heavyweight champion. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe in that initial tournament to crown the first champion. We're going to start seeing guys like Christopher Daniels come in. Uh, I believe Steve Carino was a part of that tournament as well. So there's going to be more familiar faces coming soon to this show, which I'm excited for. Like um, main event wasn't really necessarily a main event. It was supposed to be the Godwins versus DOA. Uh, instantly, DOA attacks the Godwins four on two. This leads to the Truth Commission to come out. Um, it's six on four. I never was a fan of this whole WWF gang warfare that they were trying to pull here with uh, the DOA and the Boricuas and uh, Truth Commission. I felt like you already had like top factions that you were already doing this with, where we've seen it earlier in the night. We've seen the Nation of Domination and the Heart Foundation like brawling all over. And they were more credible than fucking eight ball and chain feuding with fucking <laughs> Kurgan. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, I just feel like this was a little bit of a miss, especially to end the show like this. But we did get a pretty cool Mankind promo to end it. But what did you think about this segment? Because I know it's hit and miss. I always talk shit about this. And I seen the comments, people were like, oh, that was so fucking awesome. I remember when they had all the gangs and I was like, really? Like, it wasn't really for me, though. So I know why I love AEW so much, because apparently... I'm a faction guy, and they had 152 factions. I loved all the factions. <laughs> I mean, like the like you said, though, the Bariquas and the DOA and the Truth Commission, they didn't do too much for me. They held their, their own on the lower portion of the card. Them in the main event spot, like, throws me off a little bit, and the Godwins getting main event spots two weeks in a row is kind of wild yeah. shit. Um, but I guess maybe, I, I don't know, quarter hours were probably a thing back then, too, and they were probably trying to – do there? I think Nitro was three hours, right? And Raw was only two, so they were probably uh, not not yet. I know uh, Nitro was still two hours, but they would go like after ten o'clock for like maybe like ten or twenty minutes afterwards. Right. Where um, Raw, I know, I think it's like ninety nine where they go three hours. I was just trying I to figure. Like <laughs> yeah, no, man, I was just trying to figure out like 
you got Sting and the Stings and the big thing with Sting on the one channel main eventing. And like that's your 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 show your thing throughout the whole program. And then the other side you got the Godwins and the DOA and shit. So I don't know, fucking I guess it was WCW was still kicking their ass in the ratings at this time, right? Or, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're in the midst I, of the 83 weeks. Yeah. All right. That's what I thought. So I, I was picking up why that was getting fucking done the way it was fucking done there. Yeah. I, I, I love factions. I'm all in on factions, but not to be main eventing the show. I think maybe you flip flop how the show started versus how, or even put this somewhere in the middle. I'm fucking rambling. Yeah. I guess I really don't care too much, is the final answer. Doesn't seem like I don't care as I was very long winded about it. Longer the story <laughs> short, these people I didn't care too much about. Yeah, I feel like you could have put like the Shawn Michaels and um and Owen Hart match in the main event. Could have easily main evented, and you had the big brawl afterwards too with the Nation and Domination, the Hart Foundation, DX, Stone Cold. That could have been a great way to end the show. Instead, we ended with the Truth Commission, DOA, and the Godwins. Well, it was like, uh. but I did like how they did officially go off the air with Mankind, who's going to be returning, I guess, next week to go against Kane. I guess the storyline is when Mankind got chokeslammed on the steel, he got knocked back into his – well, when Dude Love got chokeslammed, he got knocked back into his uh, Mankind persona. But, yeah, I mean, Mankind is probably going to put up a better fight than Dude Love did. So I like the little uh, backstage promo he had. You know, even if it was his own grandmother who attacked poor little Dude Love like that, he would go against her. So really cool way to end it. So I'm going to give them uh, okay for the way that they officially went off there. Yeah, Foley's great, dude. Anytime you can see Foley cut a Foley promo like that, I'm down with. Um, I don't really deep to or deep dive too much into it, but that that was a fine way to end the show. And I loved, I loved how he would go back and forth between Dude Love, Mankind, and then you'll eventually you'll soon get the Cactus Jack character come out. So love yeah. everything Foley did for sure. So overall thoughts on Raw before we go on to Nitro. It was solid. It was fun. Um, I definitely like the start of the show better. It, it, it hit a lull at some point, um, at some point in the middle for me to the end. But Nitro is the real deal, Holyfield. Let's fucking get into this show. <laughs> All right, cool. cool, cool. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I feel like the last couple weeks has been like that, where they like kind of like blow their load in the fucking early like 45 minutes, and then it's like an hour of just a lot of filler. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being 
I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. But yeah, a show that had absolutely no filler because it was just banger after banger was fucking Nitro on the same night. It's crazy to think that, you know, you have a show with, DQs and uh, that was a bad main event. And then you look at the other side and you look at what they're fucking producing. It's insane. And we start off right off the bat because as soon as cameras went on on Nitro, we see the NWO laid out in the back and we see signs of who laid them out because we got a baseball bat there. We have Roddy Piper's icon t-shirt. I believe his kilt was there too. Uh, DDP is tagged all over the floor and on the walls. This was insane because lately... We've been seeing the NWO just run rub shot all over the WCW roster. Last week, the show goes off the air with DDP, Sting, and Roddy Piper standing tall and finally taking the fight back to the NWO. And I like how that played out and continued on to this week, having the whole NWO laid out. Eric Bischoff, uh, Undertaker, well, I'm just saying, what the fuck? Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, <laughs> they're, they're irate. Um, Hulk Hogan, like you said, was so over the top, though. Like, Dude. my man was fucking over the top. Like, how could they do this ah, before the night ends? Like, dude, come on, man. Like, that's the only thing. Like, they had realistic shit here, like a fucking, like, gang jumping. And then you go and you see the character of Hulk Hogan. It's like, uh. But what did you think about this? The segment, the the promo by Eazy-E? I thought Eric Bischoff was fucking fire on the mic, though, for this segment. You could tell, like, he was more believable than Hogan and Macho Man. And that's saying a lot. Dude, it was fucking awesome. So just like Raw, I went back and I watched the end of Nitro the week before. What a great time. All the stings. DDP and Piper finally getting some. Sting I making. that ending last week. Dude, I got goosebumps because Tony says, it's Sting! And I'm like, it that was is! Great. <laughs> it is Sting! And great like, impersonation. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm fucking like <laughs> jacked, dude. I'm so excited because it was yeah. Sting and I remember they just were kicking our ass because I was a WCW guy and they were kicking our ass and kicking our ass. And I'm fucking like, why don't we help each other? Why are they beating the fuck out of fucking, you know, Ray trailer? I get it. Ray trailer wanted to join the NWO and fucking so WCW is like, fuck him. But why are they laying <laughs> Piper out? Why are they laying fucking um, DDP out? And why are they laying fucking these other guys out? And they don't fucking Luger and, Steiner Brothers and Harlem Heat, they don't fucking no the together. horsemen, yeah. but they don't fucking. There's like 20 of you guys. I'm sure, there's like 15 of them, but fucking get together. Like, and as a kid, I'm screaming it, you know? So, this yeah. and seeing Sting be the one to fucking be the one to put it together. 
and then the start of the show. Then fucking laid out in the back. Then, boom, cut right to the ring. Bischoff's promo. Fucking absolutely awesome. Hogan, though, was killing me, dude. It was like, all right, fine. Yeah. One time, one time, you're a little over the top. I just backstory on this. A couple of weeks ago, we did a podcast. There's like nine of us. Said, who's the greatest wrestler of all time? I said, just because of what he did in WWF and what he did in WCW, he was the greatest face of all time, the greatest heel of all time. It's got to be Hulk Hogan and the numbers that he drew. I went back and I watched World War fucking 3, 1995, where he's a face in WCW. God, dude, he was so fucking bad, dude. And then I'm watching and then I'm watching this and I'm like, fuck, he is so bad, dude. Like, I might have to just go back to my stone cold as the goat and just leave it fucking there, dude. Because this dude is just not good. And he's just screaming, fucking and screaming, and you know, Savage screams. That's what Savage does, and that's okay, because that's Savage. But yeah. It was tough. It was tough. But the whole thing, like, it got me excited because I was waiting for I wanted them to fucking fight again. So, yeah. The whole nah, thing yeah. from last week into that, other than fucking Hogan, yeah, it was fucking great. Well, it was definitely. But I'm right there with you, man. He was so over the top. Shout out to Dom. I'm with you, Tim. What up, fellas? I'd say flair for goat, but I can see it. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I mean, I might be with your second choice. I, I might go with Stone Cold Steve Austin for GOAT. Because, yeah, watching back, I've been watching... Nitro since 95, right? So I'm doing the whole, like, in order. And I don't think there's one promo yet from Hogan where I'm like, oh, that was good, or that was fun, or he got me invested. They're all fucking cringy as fuck. And, like, I love Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm a huge Macho Man Randy Savage fan. But some of his were fucking cringy, too. Like, I remember he was feuding. This was, like, a year ago, right? He's feuding with, I think it was Lex Luger. And just randomly grabs the mic and he says, zippity doo da, zippity day. And then drops the mic. I'm like, what the fuck? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> I'm like, huh? I can see it. I, can, I, can see I was it, so confused. So confused. <laughs> anyway, oh, first matchup fuck. on this fucking show was an absolute banger. We have for the Cruiserweight title, Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. Man, like this is something I talked about last week with uh, Dan. I was saying how I love the fact that you had like the contrast of like the superstars of NWO, like the big mega stars, and then right into it, you're going with like the great athletic wrestlers like Chris Benoit, Guerrero, Malenko. It was just a perfect contrast, and I feel like WCW was like that perfect buffet of like you could have a little bit of everything because they had it all here. But this matchup was awesome. Um, one of you know many, many, many amazing matches from these two. These two had great chemistry, great matchup. I loved it. Great way to start the show. Yeah, bro. 
Eddie Guerrero's swag was unprecedented, dude. You could yeah. just tell he's starting to come into his own. I, you know, again, I just had just watched 1995 World War Three, where he was mullet Eddie Guerrero, or not mullet, but he had like the thick, poofy mullet. Yeah, yeah. And he was new. He still had like the leotard, and he had gotten down into the final ten, both World War Three '95 and '96. So apparently, they wanted. They thought Eddie Guerrero was some sort of a big deal. But, dude, this yeah. swag here in 97 was fucking hot shit. In that, yeah, once he started feeling himself, like, yeah, sure. dude, he was, oh, he looked at dude. I was just like, yeah, there's Poppy. <laughs> Look at Poppy go, dude. And, uh, Benoit, you know, I think we, I think we, I, I, I talked about it on Circle of Debate when we were on there the other day. Chris Benoit was always one of my favorite wrestlers, top five in ring wrestler of all time. Dude That's can true, fucking yeah. go. So getting to watch him and Eddie on the show again, thank you, De Niro, for putting me on on an awesome week. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> it's like we start the show like that, and then we get Benoit and Eddie. Let's fucking go. I hated the ending. I thought it was really botched, or not botched, but like, all right, he hit his head on the middle turnbuckle. Who cares? It wasn't exposed, yeah. but like they made it seem like Benoit was knocked like out. He was knocked from, out, yeah. Yeah, from hitting his head on a turnbuckle, which is what you do all match. Um, other than that, it was Benoit and Eddie. I ain't fucking crying about it. Nah, that's that's a fact. I just always loved whenever these two got into the ring with each other. It's just always magic with them. Um, it's announced that the decision is reversed last week with the controversial ending to DDP and Kurt Hennig where DDP pinned Kurt, but at the same time, Ric Flair was interfering. So they're actually going to throw the match out with a DQ. So... Kurt Hennig is still your U.S. champion, and he will be defending that title later on tonight. Dom says, when my wife hears zippity doo dash, she laughed and said, cocaine is a hell of a drink. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right? Especially, yeah. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> Man, there was just a lot of random, I guess, sound bites from Macho Man Randy Savage, but that's what made him Macho Man, right? Yeah. Uh, we next get Goldberg's next match in the streak. Uh, which is still fairly fresh here. And he's going against Wrath, who is out here with Mortis and James Vandenberg, a.k.a. Father James Mitchell, one of my favorite managers of all time. And, yeah, you know, typical Goldberg fashion. We got the spear, jackhammer, two fucking moves in, and he gets the three. One, two, three, that's it. I thought it was very interesting, though, when Goldberg was walking back up the ramp and got into that little face-to-face with Mongo. Even though, like, this is probably the only time you'll ever hear me say something with Mongo is interesting. But, um, yeah, I thought that that was a little interesting. But, I mean, I know there's not much to talk about here. What did you think about Goldberg and Wrath? Yeah, dude, there is. First of all, I don't know why Wrath got a seven-minute entrance. That was fucking crazy, (laughs) dude. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Talking about killing time. Second of all, I was thinking, I said, he's going to spear this fucking monster and end it right now. And it was just... Done just like it should have been, and that was awesome. So I get why I love Goldberg as a kid. That was hot as hell. And then the whole thing with Mongo and Wrath, or was it Wrath? No, Mortis. It was the whole uh, thing with Mortis, Mortis yeah. and then Mongo and Mortis. Mongo and Goldberg was whatever you're building up the next big opponent. Mongo couldn't wrestle for shit, as Double J talked about earlier, as you hit on. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, Chris Canyon was so fucking good. He got so a good. He got a good match out of Mongo in this match. I was sitting there like, is is Mongo working? Is Mongo selling? <laughs> and I always throw it up for Mongo. Fucking love Mongo. My Chicago Bears guy. ALS is kicking his ass, man. It's sad to see. I love you, Mongo. Yeah. But, yeah, he couldn't work for fucking a lick. 
And Kenya got a good match out of him, so I'll, I'll give him that respect in that match. Yeah, Mong- I mean, I wrote that in my notes here. I actually wrote that Mongo has a decent matchup with Canyon because people, like, I don't know, people talk about it. Like, if a lot of people say it now, but Canyon never really got the respect that he deserved. He he was a very talented wrestler and always flew under the radar. And it's it's a shame to see because, like, you look at matches like this, like, he could go. And later on, when he takes off the Mortis mask, right, and he's just Chris Canyon, you see more of his personality and you can see him wrestle. And I just feel like he's a guy who a lot of people sleep on because he was really, really talented. Um, I think he was the guy who trained everybody in uh, Ready to Rumble for the, I guess, for all the matches in Ready to Rumble. But, like, yeah, I mean, if you look at even that, like, the wrestling in Ready to Rumble, like, take the movie for what it is. Like, it was a, like, pretty campy movie. But... The wrestling wasn't bad in it. Like things looked like actual wrestling moves. So if you had Mongo, I mean not Mongo, if you had uh, Canyon teaching them and they actually learned it from him and were making things look actually good, like that's a testament to Canyon. But definitely, I think that he was a great wrestler that always flew under the radar. Um, after this, we got a vignette from Raven, who's in his old, I guess, uh, recess yard. I always loved the Raven character. The Raven character was awesome. Um, his ECW days was some of my favorite shit ever. Like the feud with Tommy Dreamer, the feud with Sandman always was amazing. Um, we haven't seen Raven get in the ring yet here, but I just love the character build up here. We see him a couple times throughout the show with the flock in the crowd. Uh, it's just insane to think about like a guy like Raven who had all the talent in the world. He could go in the ring. He was a great talker, great character. It's just weird to see that he never really got his just due. He finally did get the championship in TNA, but I always felt like this guy could have been a world champion in WCW or WWF. Yeah, I I always thought Raven, my favorite Raven match is the hardcore match with Big Show and Kane at WrestleMania 17. I thought thought that was fucking cool. I always liked the Raven's flock. I thought it was an interesting story. It showed like he was one of the first few enigmas. Everything that I saw, the little vignette, I thought was just screamed Darby Allen. So like, you can see his right. his his presence way out, um, you know, in modern day wrestling, which is cool. Um, you know, I I always was confused how Scotty Polo ended up being this fucking crazy maniacal guy wearing a jacket, grunge guy in the crowd. So like as a kid, it you know I didn't realize like you know the characters you can just switch like that. Um, yeah. But other, other than that, I always thought Raven was dope as fuck. I like I enjoyed his U.S. title runs, his TV title run. And I really enjoyed playing him on that Nintendo 64 game, dude. His DDT was hot. What was it? Uh, World Tour? I think was it was. It World- I think it was World Tour or WCW versus NWO. It was one of them. But yeah, dude, it was. Yeah. He was always fun. Yeah, to that play was with. a great game, for yeah. sure. Uh, we also then see a special look at Rey Mysterio Jr. and the meaning behind the mask. I love that they've been doing this lately. The last couple weeks, really building up to the matchup at Halloween Havoc between him and Eddie Guerrero. Um, Really cool to see uh, Rey Mysterio sitting with Rey Mysterio Sr., who is his uncle, and basically handed down that mask to him. I always I like this last week. Two weeks ago, they did another segment about, like, inside Luchador history. So I like how they're trying to educate the fans who are watching and maybe seeing Luchadors for the first time, showing them that there's a lot of history between, like, Luchadors and the mask and all that. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, as someone who's wanted Rey Mysterio to go away for like seven years now, it has been fucking, I know, my bad. I know a lot of people love him. I think he still can go. Like, it's amazing how skilled he still is at his age. His 
his character his character just doesn't do it for me anymore. Um, I want to see him do the Dom thing, maybe pass the mask and then dip. Dude, this reminded me why I loved Rey Mysterio so much, though. Like yeah. the whole backstory, the the mask, and then you know, you'll talk about it. But getting in there with Disco and just seeing the multiple vignettes with Eddie and getting to see how he took the cruiserweight title off Dima Malenko in the first place and was used as a lawn dart. The fact that he was even in a feud <laughs> with Kevin Nash in the first place. So I was yeah. like, this is why I love this dude, man. This is why I loved him. Yeah, you know, he just after twenty five years, another guy. You know, he went away for just a little bit, but man, he's fucking been around forever, man. Yeah, and he, unlike Kane, where we said like we don't really remember any like major injuries. Rey Mysterio had major injury after major injury with the knee and constantly getting knee surgery. So for him to still be going at the rate that he's going, like all respect to Rey Mysterio. Oh yeah, but Incredi- I, incredible talent, dude. Like he can. He, like, he used to go-go. Like, the match with Finn the other night was fucking fantastic, yeah. dude. And I am extremely excited because I said it a couple weeks ago on Circle Debate. We did top five Rey Mysterio moments in honor of him. I believe it was the 20-year anniversary for him in the WWE. So we did top five Rey Mysterio moments. And one of my moments was the Halloween Havoc match with Eddie Guerrero. And I say that that, in my opinion, is the greatest match in WCW history. And... We're on the verge of that. That's going to be happening within a couple days. So I'm so excited for that. I feel like this is the best time period in Rey Mysterio and Eddie Girls' uh, WCW run. So really excited for that. Speaking of luchadors, though, we next get Juventud Guerrera in a matchup with Yuji Nagata, which who made his debut on WCW last week with Sonny Ono. I'm a huge Yuji Nagata fan. Been a big fan of his uh, New Japan stuff. Um, I, I remember the first... I think it was the first G1 that I sat through and watched fully was the G1 that he won. I believe it was like 06 or something. But yeah, Yuji Nagata is the fucking man. He's now like on the tail end of his career and putting more guys over. But Yuji Nagata is another guy. Like we just talked about Taka Mishinoku and Tajiri, who is a legend in Japan and still going. It's amazing. But I like the matchup here with uh, Juventud. And I like the the little runner with uh, Ultima Guerrero chasing Sonny Ono, and then afterwards, Yuji Nagata attacks Ultimate Dragon, sending up their matchup at Halloween Havoc. But what did you think about this one? Yeah, dude, when I saw Yuji Nagata, I got really excited, man. I was like, oh, fuck, look at this guy, and he's so young, dude. It was great yeah. to see. Uh, the, the match was good. I, he Nagata still throws some vicious leg kicks. He was throwing some vicious leg kicks in that match. Um, or not leg kicks, but like chest kicks, like just very strong legs, very strong kicks from Nagata. And then, yeah, I love the ult- – I've always been a big Ultimo Dragon fan. I always remember um, Sonny Ono was a snake, so I've seen him yeah. get chased around the ring, and this is where the, the Ultimo Dragon face turn happened. I, I dug it. I, I was big, big Eugene Nagata fan. I love watching him and Ishii slap the fuck out of each other. Him, him and Suzuki still go at it. So whenever uh, – I thought that was really cool. I mean, shit, up until last year, his match with Moxley on AEW was still pretty good with the U.S. Yes. title, so – Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, right. he still could yeah. go. Shout out to Brian Cook was good. He said, don't forget that Nitro, the Nitro where Conan turned on Ray and viciously broke his leg. Ray Mysterio is just a pioneer. I believe they showed a clip of that, too, in that Ray Mysterio segment. They showed uh, Conan with the leg lock on Ray Mysterio. But, yeah, most definitely. Next, we see three more luchadors. We got Damian and Viano, four and five, who come out. I guess they were setting up for a uh, six-man tag match. But as soon as they enter the ring, we got the giant who comes out. He cuts a promo on Kevin Nash, who's been home with an injury. 
he uh, injured his knee, which is, you know, surprise, surprise. <laughs> the, the jokes are ongoing with uh, Kevin Nash and knee injuries. But the Giant doesn't think that the knee injury is as serious as Kevin Nash is making it out to seem. He says that Kevin Nash is just ducking him. Um, Damien666 is pissed at the Giants taking their time on TV. So he starts confronting the Giant, and the Giant just absolutely destroys all three luchadors here. But um, I think it was pretty cool, him cutting the promo while still doing the jackhammer, saying this is a real jackhammer or a jackknife. So I thought that that was pretty cool. But cool to see the Giant back on TV because he hasn't been on for about a month or so. Okay. Yeah, I put uh, the Giant destroys luchadors. I thought, you know, (laughs) um, I imagine it was just to enhance his feud with Nash. And I do like how – shit, I forgot – Damonano, Damano, six six six. I like how he went at Big Show. Like his face was just like, dude, fuck you. This is my match. This is my <laughs> ring. But the but, balls uh, on the man. Yeah, but it was cool. He did deliver a very nice, safe uh, jackknife. So I respect. Yeah, that. for sure. But cool, quick promo. Advances storylines. Can't complain. Facts. And now we got yet another luchador who we were just talking about, Rey Mysterio. We got a lot of luchadors set up here. Uh, Rey Mysterio TV title match against Disco Inferno. Um, Disco Inferno, like, I was never a big fan of his. But I'll tell you this, like, last week he had a matchup with Alex Wright, and it was a fucking banger. Like, they went balls to the wall, and I enjoyed it. So I was excited to see this matchup. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, he interferes, causing a DQ, though, still building up to their matchup. Last week, during the matchup with uh, Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero came in and he pulled the mask off of Rey Mysterio, stealing the mask. This week, he tried to do the same, tried to take the mask off of Rey Mysterio, but Rey Mysterio fought him off. And then we also had Jacqueline who came out, and she started to fight Disco Inferno. And it is I don't know if it's announced here. I forget if it was announced here or last week that there will be an intergender match at Halloween Havoc between Jacqueline and Disco Inferno. But thoughts on this segment? I personally just love the whole storyline being continued to be built between Eddie and Ray. Yeah, I was curious between that. Uh, Disco Inferno's music always popped me as a kid, and I always like to dance. Disco you know, fever. Like to throw it up. <laughs> Disco fever. Yeah, man, I always like to get down to that. Uh, From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. He kind of rubs me the wrong way on social media nowadays. I think he like thinks he is way better than he was. So I was excited to see yeah. like maybe I just don't remember him, you know, being as good as he thinks he was. And it was it was quick. You know, you didn't really get. I couldn't get too much of a feeler of him in in the ring. I was curious why Eddie wanted to cost Ray the match. I guess it was to strip him of his mask, which makes a lot more sense now the way you told the story. But I was like, yeah. why wouldn't Eddie just want Ray to be TV champion? So. 
then because the it'll be he, they already said it would be for both belts and the mask. So then Eddie could walk away with both belts and the mask then. But yeah, that I, didn't make I, too I much sense. Yeah. yeah, that that didn't make too much sense. I would have rathered him like win the title. So when I go against him, it'll be for both belts. But yeah, um, the matchup at Halloween Havoc is hair versus mask. So it seems like every week. Just to like prepare for that, he's been ripping off the mask of Rey Mysterio. Worked last week, didn't work this week, but very interesting. Next, we get Hogan, Eric Bischoff, and Macho Man who come back out here for another segment. This is one of three. They come back out here, and they say that tonight no one leaves the building until they get their hands on DDP, Sting, and Piper. They call out Piper, and they basically run down Piper, and they wait, 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 but nobody shows up. And then the NWO music starts to play and they walk away. I feel like something could have happened here instead of them just like calling him out and then just awkwardly waiting there until the music played and then they just walk out. But yeah, also I forgot to mention earlier in the night, they showed that the cage that's going to be for the cage match between Piper and Hogan at Halloween Havoc is actually here in the venue right now. And it's above the ring. And Hulk Hogan says numerous times, you could lower that cage and we can have that cage match right now. But um, yeah, this was... I don't think this was necessarily needed because it led to nothing. You could have just had the segment in the beginning and the segment in the end where you actually had the brawl, but here them calling them out just for no reason and no one comes out and then awkwardly the music plays and they just walk away and leave. It seemed a little weird. Yeah, it was awful. I fucking... Thanks, Dom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was having to hear Hogan just fucking scream again. No one's leaving the arena. The locker room's locked down. Bro, you're one man. There's 20,000 people around you. You can't control that. Shut up. Like, oh, it was yeah. too much. Maybe if they would have had, like, 10 fake stings come out, have Hogan and Savage fight him off or something. I was – the way they kept doing this all night made me kind of start thinking that they were actually behind it, and they had mm-hmm. Piper and Sa- – or they had uh, Piper and DDP locked up in a locker room somewhere, and they were going to drag him out and whoop him down in front of Ooh, everybody. Because like, why keep fucking going to this well? But yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. It was fucking stupid. <laughs> Facts. Not many, not many things on the show were stupid. So like, if this is all that was stupid, then I guess it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I feel like this. You know, especially like you had a couple matches that were pretty short here, right? If you could have took this segment out, you could have gave more time to the Rey Mysterio disco match. You could have gave more time to Eddie and Benoit, but. I don't know. I just feel like the segment wasn't needed, especially it being the main segment and what we see at the end. You could have skipped this part. Yo, and Nitro was only two hours. It wasn't three hours. No, Nitro was three hours starting, oh. I believe, in 99. This is two hours, but just to get another leg over the WWF, they would go after like the 10 o'clock hour for, like I believe, 20 minutes. Oh, so gotcha. you would turn off Raw and tune into Nitro and still see the ending. Yeah, it felt like a fucking three-hour show, dude. I'm like, and it's not because it was a lot quick, but it was, yeah, right, because there was like, I'm looking at my notes right here, and I'm just like, my notes for WCW, this. My notes for WWE was like this. I was like, <laughs> same here. crazy, bro. No, yeah, they, they packed a lot, and they did the same last week. I was talking to Dan, and I'm like, yo, man, I feel like this was a pay-per-view because there's like 10 matches, like five segments, and then you look at Raw, like all together, it was like four matches, and three of them were DQs, so it was like, but, but Russo was the best. <laughs> right? <laughs> Next up on the show, we have the U.S. title matchup between Kurt Hennig and Dean Malenko, which these two guys had really good chemistry with each other, I felt. And this is another match that really delivered. 
I love this matchup. Kerhennig wins. He retains the title. He seems to be the only guy on the NWO who wrestles clean and continues to win his matches clean without like any like fuck finishes or any interferences. But really good matchup. I enjoyed this. Do you know why that is? Because and well, yes, <laughs> true. And he should have never, ever, ever been in the NWO to fucking start with, dude. His placement yeah. in the NWO was so fucking far off, dude. He's a horseman. He's a flair guy. Aren't yeah. giving him his spot, not his liver spot, not his dog spot, but aren't <laughs> giving him his fucking spot was perfect, dude. Flair, yeah. Henning, Benoit, Malenko, Mongo, however you want to go about that faction. Perfect. And, he should, and then when he was in the NWO black and fucking red to start the little split, blew my mind. Everything they did with him was bad. But you know what yeah. was good? This quick little U.S. title run he got when he first came through. Very fun yeah. match with Malenko, for sure. And I didn't think he could still work as well in his WCW days. I was wrong. He was fucking flying all over the ring, dude. No, he was very good, especially this time period. Um, but, like, lately it's just been, like, week in, week out, just bangers. He had the matchup with DDP last week. That was very good. Uh, the week before that, he had a match with Chris Benoit. He had a match with Jeff Jarrett, which actually was really good. And then I believe his first matchup after the Fall Brawl pay-per-view when he turned on the Four Horsemen was against Booker T. And that was a very good matchup. So he's just having a line of just great matches. So I was really excited for this one. Um, next, we get Ray Trailer versus Scott Norton, which is a rematch from last week. I wasn't really too into this. Um, but yeah, uh, Ray Trailer gets sprayed in the face with spray, uh, spray paint. And the NWO attacks a six-on-one assault. They, they literally did the exact same thing last week. Like, this was a carbon copy of what they did last week. So it was like, was this necessary on the show? I don't know. I don't know if anyone was really into this feud, but. Yeah, I didn't I didn't care too much. I was, I was a big Scott Norton fan. I liked when he uh, joined the NWO. I thought he was like a perfect guy. Him and Buff were like perfect WCW, NWO guys. I didn't yeah. care about this match. The ending definitely made me not give a fuck about this match. The biggest thing I did care about was. You had a WCW guy here getting beat down by fucking six NWO members. Where the fuck are the other WCW guys to help him? I guess then in commentary, they did say that Bubba, they're not sure. You know, he was in the dungeon. He wanted to join the NWO. So maybe he's not even part of WCW. But like Shivani and I were seeing eye to eye all night. Like, where are you, WCW? Why aren't you helping your guys out? And that's, yeah, I like how Shivani kept on calling that out. And he was calling it out last week too. Like, and he was like calling at like the troops at arms, like, come on, it's six on one, it's seven on one. Where is everyone backstage? What are we doing? Even last week he said a line, he was like, Get off your ass at catering, come out here and help your guys. <laughs> like I, I loved it because like it's true, like, why not? Like, but I, I do understand the fact that you had someone who wanted to be in the NWO. So it was like, why would we go help him? He wanted to be a part of that faction anyway. Right. But still, I just wasn't into this because like I said, the exact same thing happened last week. NWO interferes. They spray paint uh, Ray Trailer. We get the six on one assault. It was exactly the same members who had jumped him last week too. It's like like it looks like they just copied and pasted this segment into this week as well. So I was like, yeah, you could miss me with that. But uh, next matchup though, after this was a pretty good matchup: Booker T versus Lex Luger. First time we see Lex Luger since uh, Fall Brawl, so he hasn't been on the show for about like a month. And I enjoy this. Booker T at this time period was really showing that he's going to be a star, though. Like, Booker T was the total package, I feel. No pun intended. But uh, 
I, I wasn't a big fan of the whole Harlem Heat gear. I, I never got the weird singlet with the little circle thing. Like, it was weird. But this matchup really delivered. And like I said, Booker T showed that he was going to be a big star in this company. Yeah, I was always a huge Booker T fan. I loved these lower card guys, Booker T's, Chris Benoit's, Dean Malenko's, Eddie Guerrero. Like, those are my kind of guys. And mm-hmm. and Lex Luger. I love Lex Luger. A lot of people don't, but I am a Lex Luger fucking mark. Always have been, dude. What he did against Hogan, winning that title, fucking, uh, you probably, you you saw it already, dude. Like, that was fucking hotter than, hotter than hot. And, I mean, he cooled off significantly from them in, like, a four-month span. It's kind of crazy. But, uh, if you can deal with all of his yelling during his matches, I don't know if you notice it, he yells a lot, dude. If you can deal, if you can deal with all, it's like Jericho. Yelling. Jericho does the same thing. It's a lot of ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah, right. Dude. If you can deal with all that, then you could deal with Lex Luger. And I like like getting the big man up for the torture rack for the win. I'll take yeah. it. It was good. Um, Lex Luger gets on the mic. Mean Gene Oakland is interviewing him. It was already announced that it's going to be Lex Luger versus Scott Hall with Larry Zabisco as the special guest referee. And I guess Lex Luger thought that Larry Zabisco was going to be more partial towards his side, but Larry Zabisco came out and said that he's going to call it right down the middle. And I love Lex Luger's reaction because he was like, that's basically what I was asking for the whole time. <laughs> like, well, all right, so what? Like, that's what I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Brian really Cook funny. says, thank you. I always hated how Mr. Perfect turned on the horseman in North Carolina and in their signature event. Yeah, during war games, no less. Shit. Fuck. Creative ending though, have about smash players fat and fucking had it. And it was really creative, but yeah. yeah. What Next I didn't get, get what okay. my bad. What I didn't get about this Luger promo here was, and I'm sure you're about, you're about to bring it up after the Scott Hall match. Like, why if you're gonna have Scott Hall do an individual promo and Lex Luger do an individual promo and they're about to wrestle at the pay-per-view next week? Why wouldn't you just have them coincide with each other? Exactly, especially because Scott Hall's been calling out Lex Luger every single week, and we're going to get this matchup. Why not? Especially, like you said, it's like one after another, and they're both in ring. Why not have Scott Hall come out a little early for his matchup, cut a promo, and talk shit to Lex Luger, have a little back and forth, and then you could ask Scott Steiner come out. But, yeah, it would have made more sense to me. Brian Cook says, P.S. I really think the NWO should have died after Starcade 97, as they were already stale, and my man Randy Savage should have never been in that group either. I mean, yeah. To be honest, I never thought Randy Savage fit in the NWO just for the fact that when Hulk Hogan turned on WCW and created the NWO, he hit that leg drop on Randy Savage. So Randy Savage joining, I always thought that that was like a, uh, you know what I mean? Like can't beat them, join them type thing. But I never no. liked that for Savage. Savage is too much of a legend to be just Hulk Hogan's second, you know? He should have never, ever, ever. When they, I'm sure you you attracted earlier in the year when he joined and he was with Sting and they were coming out going after the NWO. He should have always stuck with Sting. It should have been him, Sting, and Luger always going after the NWO. And if you want to add on other, I know you need, you want big names in there, but build, develop. That was the problem with your company. And build and develop, build and develop. Savage, yes, Brian, 110%, bro. Savage is I a agree. Hulk Hogan nemesis. You don't fucking put him to lackey him in that group. No way. There was too many times in WCW where Savage was just Hogan's lackey. Because even before NWO, he was it was the Mega Powers versus the fucking uh, Dungeon of Doom. Then it was the Mega Powers versus the Four Horsemen. 
Savage never really had his like his own storylines. He was don't forget it, don't forget about the three cage match where he fucking they wrestled all of Bro, them, dude. Yeah, it was like what was it like twelve on two, and they had to go through the tiers and shit. Yeah, yep. horrible fucking matchup, man. Like, don't remind me. I, I remember there was a time period. I'm not gonna lie, where I was truly regretting even taking this journey because WCW was cringe as fuck. And then, like, even Raw, on the other hand, was fucking cringe with Isaac Yankums versus fucking Mantar and shit. Like, I'm glad we're at the time period we are now, but I sat through the bad to get to this fucking <laughs> point. For sure. But next up on the show, we have Scott Hall, who comes out. He does his survey promo. This is the first time since he did the survey promo that the crowd was for the WCW and not the NWO. Like, even though he still said it was one more for the good guys, the crowd was booing the shit out of the NWO, and they were going crazy for the WCW. So I, I like how he tried to spin it, but I like how um, I believe it was Bobby the Brain Heenan who said, I think Scott Hall's deaf. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, this leads to the matchup with Scott Steiner. I always thought that these guys had great chemistry. I'm a huge Scotty Steiner fan. I, I love before he became Big Papa Pump. I love after he became Big Papa Pump. So, like, I'm a huge Scott Steiner fan, especially like I always love the Steiner brothers, one of my favorite tag teams. So really good matchup. I, I enjoyed it. Scott Steiner, well, Scott Hall takes out the referee really blatantly. It's been the gimmick going on for like the last couple weeks. This is why Larry Zabisco is the special guest referee. Cause Scott Scott Hall, there's too many Scots. Scott Hall has just been bullying the fucking refs. Um afterwards, a masked referee comes out and he counts the win for Scott Hall. Um I'm trying to like put my finger. I, I don't know. Like, do you remember who this is? Like is I this mean, how uh, it was I, called Stevie Ray became? Oh, was it? I just assumed it was. I assumed it was Virgil. I yeah, like or, I or saw v- it was a black Vincent, dude, and I, I was like, yeah, yeah, it was a black guy in the NWO. I just assumed it was Vincent at that point because I thought yeah, Stevie Ray was not on the shelf, right? Yeah, I know they they mentioned that early in the in the show. I was just confused. I was like, I don't know. It was weird. It was just weird to see somebody in the mask come in and thought you could have did it a better way, but. After this, this is when shit really hit the fan. And once again, going off the air with a fucking amazing segment. Because we have Eric Bischoff, Hogan, and Macho Man come back out. And this time they're a little bit more calm. Just saying maybe they jumped the gun. They overreacted a little bit. And, you know, good things come to those who wait. So they'll just wait till Sunday, Halloween Havoc. And then they'll take out Piper, Sting, and DDP. Then out comes a guy who obviously wasn't the real sting even though they were oh it's sting no it wasn't it was some guy who was fake sting and we have two other stings just like last week jump the guardrail they get into the ring they start fighting the uh nwo turns out that those two are piper and ddp nwo comes out the cage lowers and then we got from the rafters sting who comes down amazing way to end this fucking show I just love it. It was like pure chaos, pandemonium, chaotic. I love it. What did you think about this ending? I fucking loved it when the fake sting started coming. I got excited when it was Piper and Savage, or when it was Piper and DDP um, executing the holds on Savage and Hogan. I got really excited. The beatdown happens, though, and it just fucking, I, I know, I, I hate to be a complainer, but why does it take so long for them to make the save? Like, yeah. maybe it's just because I'm on my couch watching, but I'm like, it's like three minutes of these two dudes getting beat down. Like, build the anticipation. Like, just <laughs> save them already. <laughs> Fucking save them. And then, like, they can just get back to their feet. Like, it's no big deal. Like, yo, pipe, 
I know you're a badass, but you just got beat down by six guys for three minutes, and now yeah. you're just up and you're fine. If the, if this was real life, you know, if someone's beating on you for three minutes, and you're not walking probably the next day. I mean, like, fuck. But <laughs> taking all of that aside, fucking amazing, dude. An amazing way to end a really, really fucking fun show. From start to finish, this thing was fucking hot, dude. And this way, banged. I didn't like how Hogan and Savage were out of the cage so fucking fast because they wanted them all. You wanted them. You, 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 you fucking belligerently screamed for him all night, Hogan. You got him. And where'd you go? You fucking ran away. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. You know, it was the heel. But like, you called for him. He's there. And then you're gone. And how'd you get out so fast? I know your old ass wasn't climbing that cage. Yeah, right. you, were, you were never <laughs> even in that cage now, were you? But he probably uh, as soon as it started coming out, he was out like, to the outside. Whoo, I'm out, dude. <laughs> I know he's coming, but no, man. All in all, it was a really fucking fun show. Yeah, definitely. I, I love this show. Um, I, I think it's clear. Like usually at the end of this, I I always ask like Raw or Nitro, who did you think was better this week? It was obviously clear that Nitro just kicked Raw's ass on this week. It, it was like no competition, and just the the go home show for Halloween Havoc, like really made me so excited for this show so i'm excited to cover it you're welcome to come on next week and watch halloween havoc oh, yeah. we're gonna be you know i know uh dan is coming back on next week to do halloween havoc too because he was on last week and he's excited so we'll have dan on and we'll talk about halloween havoc but for Fuck sure one yeah, of my yeah. favorite pay-per-views ever no matter what company one of my favorite pay-per-views just ever so i'm really excited for that but thank you for joining man i really appreciate you being here and going over these two shows with me Yo, thanks for having me, bro. Like I said, you couldn't have brought me on for a fucking better shows. I'm not, and I don't want to sit here and dog Raw because Raw was actually really good. The thing is, when you're comparing Raw to fucking what we've seen on that Nitro, it, it's not even close, yeah. dude. And if Raw could have sustained what they did that first like 30 minutes throughout the course of their show, but how do you sustain that? You know, it's, it's hard to do. But yeah, for Nitro sure. killed it. De Niro, thank you fucking so much for having me on. I'm going to definitely course, uh, see the schedule. If I can hop on with you and Bakley next week, talk this show. Absolutely hop on and talk this show. That's a banger of a that. fucking pay-per-view. I, I want to see Ric Flair get his hands on Kurt Henning. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, most definitely. Uh, let the people know where they can find you in the Wrestling Index. Yeah, absolutely. You can check out the Wrestling Index on all audio platforms. FloorSlipperSports.com. Floor Sniper Sports YouTube. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me, brother. No, nah, no doubt, man. Like I said, it's a pleasure and you're welcomed whenever, honestly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everybody, make sure you subscribe to the Wrestling Index. Follow Tim King and join me here on Wednesday with the Wrestling DeLorean podcast, episode 250. I know we're going to be, what's called? We got another special episode tomorrow with uh, Jeremy Prophet. So shout out to Jeremy Prophet. He'll be on tomorrow. We also have a bonus episode on uh, Tuesday night. So we'll have two little bonuses. And then we have episode 250 live from Arthur Ashe Stadium. We'll be talking about AEW Grand Slam. I'm excited for that. Make sure you subscribe to the Circle Debate. Catch Circle Debate every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Catch Wrestling DeLorean every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to the channel. Support good podcasts, y'all. Before we leave, we got Underground Temple says, Bailey, EOS Sky, Dakota... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no spoilers, yeah. No spoilers. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but that might just be a prediction. I don't know. Yeah, but. yeah, because I I can't fathom Sasha and Naomi came back in these first 38 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 no. I was no, gonna no, say, no. God damn, did I just fucking spoil it for everybody? 
No, no, he's just doing some good booking, that's for sure. All right, I hope so. Shit. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Thanks, Lennox. I appreciate you, bro. So, yeah, definitely, everybody. I love you guys. Thank you for supporting. Take care, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Dave, a banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. Because when you download Dave, you could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Download Dave today at dave.com slash Spotify. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Expressing your love can look many different ways. And with the right jewelry gift from Blue Nile, it can truly sparkle. Blue Nile's collection of classic diamond jewelry makes for the kind of gift that speaks volumes without saying a single word. Or switch things up with a sapphire piece sure to spark conversation. Either way, Blue Nile's diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Express yourself with Blue Nile, the original online jeweler, at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.